the Sermon on the Mount there, in that portion about anxiety, and it's, it said, yeah, if you remember, there were, there were three prohibitions there, right? There were three things that we weren't supposed to do. There were three uh, things that um, you shouldn't do. What were they? The, what was the first one? Do not be worried. What was the second one? Do not be worried. What was the third one? Do not be worried. Jesus kept repeating himself over and over again, but he does that for an effect. It's for There's no reason to be worried. There's no reason to be worried. Imagine if you were in communist China and you had your church underground. There's no reason to be worried. Can you say that there? Can you say that when you have troubles and you can't make all the bill payments? All of those things. We went through a whole list of things. We live in a a world, okay? Uh, We live in a world. Thank you very much. Connor, thank you for being a really a a great guy and putting all of that together because I could never do that. We live in a world, folks, that is going to test you. It, 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 it doesn't matter whether you're a believer or not. You're going to be tested. And that's the point we were trying to make last week. Uh, that uh, was going to, if I, if I could put it this way, it's like being on a train ride. Some train rides can be treacherous, like the one I mentioned last week in, in Aurangabad, India, where we didn't have seats and we had to stand for hours going to Mumbai. And uh, it was treacherous, but still God brought his provision along the way where that man was giving me these cartons of Coke to sit on. So at least between the trains, I had something to sit on. and didn't have to stand the whole way. But then there's also those pleasant rides where you get on a train and, and everything goes well and people are serving you and enjoying yourself and that kind of thing. But whatever kind of ride that you're on in this world, God is going to fulfill his promises Remember that God is going to be there with you. He's going to give you those things that you need. God has his purposes in all of our difficulties. I don't care what difficulty has come your way. He's brought them for a purpose. May I tell you that the statement comes from personal experience. I know about difficulties. I know about being attacked. All of those kinds of things that can come into your life. They're there. You know, I, I remember saying that to Pastor John when somebody was attacking him 20, 30 years ago. He says, well, if you're going to get in the pulpit, you've got to realize there's going to be people out there listening, and there's going to be people who don't like what you have to say. That can happen in the counseling room. That can happen anywhere. They're not going to like what you have to say, and they're going to be objecting to what you have to say. I just didn't think it would come that hard and fast. Now... This all leads us to where I left off last week. So if you're in Matthew chapter 6, turn to verse 31, and I'm not going to go through the first part of the message. It took me an hour to get through that. I don't want to have to sort of reiterate that uh, and go through it again. But you see the three prohibitions that are there, do not worry. Then they were accompanied by uh, three uh, appropriate questions that Jesus had. And then we come to verse 31, and it says, do not worry again. Uh, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, and what will we wear for clothing? Very basic stuff. I mean, these are the things of life, what you're going to put on in the morning. You sat there this morning, I know some of you, trying to figure out which of the 30 pairs of shoes am I going to put on? (laughs) Some of you who have lots of suits, which which suit am I going to put on? Which tie? And I noticed this tie this morning. I need to change this tie. I don't like this tie now. I don't know why. And but I'm only kidding, folks. You can, we have so many choices. What am I going to worry about? I, I, you know, I, I went in the closet this weekend. 
I saw all this food in there. All these choices, I just don't know how to make them, that's all. Um, but we have those kinds of things that come our way. And then uh, the, the things that we drink, it's not like in those days. They could hardly find good drinking wine. You know, and, and, and there was a reason why they said take a little wine for your stomach because they had some bad stuff. When I go to India, you only drink out of the bottle that you buy at the store. And when you leave the store, you check that the bottle's cap is on tight because sometimes they take the used bottle and put water in it and you get very sick. I've been there seven times and I've watched everybody I bring get sick. I don't know why, but they seem to do that. We don't have to worry about those things. We don't have concern about those things. Verse 32, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. That's what they want. That's what they're out there for. They're running around the, 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 the Southern California trying to make money, trying to do this. They invest in all kinds of things to try to make money. They're waiting for that big payday. That's what they're looking for. God knows, folks. My God, your God, if you're a believer, knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly when you need it, and it's not a Rolls Royce. It's not even a Lamborghini. It's what you need. But you know, sometimes as Christians, we don't like what God does give us. And inside, we get anxious. We get worried. We get troubled. We even begin to fear whether God even loves us. Now, folks, if you're a Christian, you know that God loves you. And he's giving you exactly, exactly what you need for that time period. So Jesus tells the crowd that's around him, and us, frankly, and the unbeliever that may even be here for that matter, typically seek after those kinds of things. But the worry of the unbeliever is part of their character. That's who they are. The worry of the unbeliever is to be, is their makeup. It's who they are. This is how those who have an anchor behave. We trust God. We trust God. When you do not have God in your life, you will have chaos. Even if you belong to the Academy of Arts, even if you are a famous actor, you're still going to have chaos in your life. That's going to be part of their life. And, and I know where that person lives. I happen to have seen their house once from three miles away because it's the closest I could get. <laughs> they should have nothing to worry about. But God gives it to them. Why? Because their life is in chaos because they don't have him. They don't have him. Back in the day when I was in business, and I've mentioned this a few times, I remember signing that big deal. I couldn't wait to call my boss in New York, and I want to say, hey, Barry, I, 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 I just locked it in. We're, we're good for another year with this company. I'd make him happy, but that was when I was an unbeliever. You know, after I became a believer, it didn't matter. I didn't do it for Barry. 
I looked at it as a provision of God, that God was the one who was able to give that to me. I can remember one time being stuck on a five freeway and I could not get to my customer. It was three hours on that freeway because I had an overturned um, uh, truck and it was spewing out a fire and all kinds of things. So I missed it. It was okay to miss it. It was okay to miss it. It's in God's hands. I don't have to worry about it. It's no longer the great deal that makes me, that deal in business that makes me happy and comfortable. It's my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what makes me comfortable. I realize his provision each and every day for me. These next two verses that we have been unable to look at are, I think, the most critical for for what Jesus has to say here. We can't just gloss over them and move on to what my outline is, and we'll get to that. That I want to show you of things that you can do as a, as a counselor speaking to counselees, and you're all counselees. And you know, when we started off the Sermon on the Mount, remember Jesus sat down. He didn't stand up behind a pulpit. He counseled those people. That's I like to do that. But Jesus provides in this message how we can overcome worry, and anxiety. Verse 33. Jesus says there, this is the way you want to defeat it, folks. This is the way you want to put it to rest. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's what you're supposed to be seeking after. Not the next buck not the next house, not the next this, not the next that, but seek after his kingdom. That's what you need. That's what you need. And it's going to be added unto you. As you live out your life in righteousness and holiness, God rewards. God keeps giving. God keeps supplying. And folks, you may, do we get that Rolls Royce? No. But you get what you need. Turn with me to Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 10. Just over on, a, on the other side of the page for some of you. Here's the prayer. You know, Jesus was teaching them how to pray. And he says in, in, in uh, verse 10, he says, Your kingdom come, speaking to his Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's his kingdom that's most important, folks. That kingdom's going to be established. I pray to God that all of you are going to be in that kingdom. Because the great fellowship that we have here, and it's so hard to let you guys go because you just start talking and fellowshipping that to get you back, you know, the lights have to go out. The earth has to move. I don't know what it is. (laughs) But you're going to have it forever, for eternity, if you know him. If you know him, if his kingdom now. Chapter 5, verse 10. Jesus says this in, in Matthew 5, verse 10, in this preaching, he says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're looking forward to that kingdom, folks. I wake up every morning, and I, got, I go out to my backyard, and I mentioned it last week. I love the backyard. I love the birds in the backyard. I love the chirping and all of that. I love the dogs barking about my neighbor. It's okay. I am disappointed that it's not his kingdom yet. In a full sense of that. In the full sense of that. So the, the present indicative that's used here, and I'm, I'm present 
imperative here, and I'm sorry to bring up all of that Greek language to you kind of stuff, is what Jesus uses here. Jesus is emphasizing here something, folks. It's a kinda, keep seeking the kingdom of God. Continue to keep seeking the kingdom of God. Now, does that mean you can't go shopping? No, go shopping. Go shopping. It's okay. Make sure it fits in your budget and all of those kinds of things, yes. But in other words, keep your focus on off the things of this world and on the things of God. You know, years ago, I, I once asked a seminary professor who was one of my professors, said, well, what do you do for devotions with your children? You saw the grandkids. Well, what do you do devotions for your children? And he said to me, Bill, all of life is a devotion. All of life is about God. You need to see him in the morning when you wake up and the sun rises. You need to see him as you're interacting with people it, it, when you're pulling out of your driveway. Whatever it is, it's all about. And so I began to incorporate that. At the time, I was still in business. Um, my customers needed to hear about God. It didn't matter if they were going to not give me the order. I didn't care. I cared about them going to be in the kingdom of heaven with me. That's what most, was most important to me. You see, the world entices, the world seduces, but it seduces the unsuspecting. You know, you see a commercial right away. What is it doing? It's playing on, you need this car. It's this brand new car because it has uh, everything that tells you whether you're going over the line, whether you're doing this. It, you need it because otherwise you're going to be in an accident or something else like that. And it's beautiful and all of these kinds of things. And the music that plays in there is so wonderful. It's seducing you is what it's doing. Satan, who has his hooks in this world, flashes this happiness and, and this peace that you can have if you have these things. But in essence, folks, you want to know the truth. It's death and it's destruction. That's what it is. The kingdom of God and his righteousness is your goal. That should be your first priority. Turn with me to Luke. I do believe I have some time here. I don't know, Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Yes, we are going to get to the outline. Luke chapter 14, verse 25, it says this. Now large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them. This is Jesus once again speaking to them, preaching to them, talking with them. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife, and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That's challenging, folks. I love my kids. I love my wife. I love my grandkids. But who comes before all of them is God in everything, in everything. And I need to remember that, and, and I need to preach that to myself. Whoever does not carry, out his own, carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if that is enough to complete it? When you came to Christ, did you think about what it was going to cost you? Did you think about it? When I was witnessed to in Montreal, Canada in 1982, uh, this woman told me what was, it was going to cost me. She said, you may lose all your friends. And, and I did. I did. Because they didn't want to hear it. 
went back from my high school reunion, started telling him about Jesus, and they started walking the other way. Where's the bar? That's what they kept saying. Where's the bar? <laughs> That's all they cared about. No, they don't want to hear it. They hate the gospel because they don't know it. Keep your focus on the things of God is basically what this is saying. That's why I love the short-term missions. I was uh, spoken to a dean before. It, it, this is what we have, folks. This is where you get to see God's working. I had another, somebody else give me an, another one of their um, support letters, and, and I want to support all of them, okay? And I, I have no problem saying that even in front of you. So go right ahead. If you're going to go, let me, let me support you. You see, if you've pledged loyalty to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you are to continue to seek his kingdom wherever it is. You are to continue to seek that kingdom. Second thing that Jesus says there in that passage, not only seeking his righteousness, not only seeking his kingdom, but also, verse 34 so, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? Folks, your anxiety involves worrying about what could possibly happen. But in most cases, it might never happen. It's just, oh, that may happen. But it doesn't happen. We live in a world shot through with worry, with anxiety. We worry about yesterday. We worry about today. We worry about tomorrow. We worry about marriage. We worry about children. We worry about money. And there's a few other things in between. I, I love this. We worry if we're saved. Why? Well, I haven't had an executed, so I don't know that I'm really a Christian. Do you love God with your whole heart, mind, and soul? Do you love others as you love yourself already? That's what you're supposed to do. That's kingdom living. That's kingdom living. Worry is not caused by external circumstances, folks. It's not by the circumstances around you. Because in that same circumstance, you can have one guy who acts like uh, cool as a cucumber or cool hand Luke or whatever. I don't even know who that is. And another man could be worried to death. Or another man could be worried to death. I gave you that story last week about Arungabad. I was worried because I needed my sleep. I know I need my sleep. I am not very good without at least five hours of sleep. And uh, I didn't know I was going to get any sleep on that train. And my missionary friend tells me we got standing room only. <laughs> okay, we'll get through this. You see, whatever response we have, whether it's cool or whether it's worried, both of those responses come from what's in the heart already. It's what is residing in the heart already. What have I filled it with? How do I think? Both responses come from the condition of the heart. Worry simply is not believing God. I hate to stop, step on your toes. And I know I just stepped on some of your toes. I'm willing to clean your shoes later. Worry is not believing God is in control when he is. Worry says God. 
Worry says God does not love or care for his children. Worry says that God cannot be trusted or believed. I don't believe any of that. Our situation becomes the controlling factor, not the Lord. He is the controlling factor in all those things. Worry, in a, in a sense, is an attack on the providence of God. John Piper's done a, a great job with that book, and I want lend you my book so you don't have to spend all that money on it. But I'm almost finished. I'm getting there. The providence of God is just absolutely outstanding. I can trust in that. I can trust in that. See, it happens that when folks cannot find something to worry about today, they think about tomorrow. Oh, I hope I can get up on time to get to work, or I hope I can get up, you know. Um, I once had this premarital couple. you got to hear this. I hope they're not here. <laughs> I have no idea if they're here. They'd be married. Okay, we got them past that. Then they worried whether they should have children or not. We got them past that. Then they worried how many should we have. Then they worried about what school do we send them to. Then they worried about uh, where should we live. And I said, folks, you keep worrying about You don't even know what's going to happen. Grace Academy wasn't even around then. <laughs> I love the way Jesus ends this section on anxiety, and that's, that's, we'll be getting there. Each day has enough trouble of his own. I hope you understand that. Even as a kingdom citizen, folks, you will encounter troubles. You will encounter disappointments. A husband, a, a, a wife, disappoint each other. Do not have permission to ask my wife. They're part of life, folks. We live on a fallen planet. We forget. Something else takes over in our attention. All of those kinds of things. But, folks, there is hope. God's Word gives us a direction, a real solution of these multitudinous worries that we may have. Would you do me a favor? Would you please turn to Philippians chapter 4? Philippians chapter 4. Folks, please do not tell any of my counselors, counselors, not counselees, counselors, that this particular passage answers almost any malady that we deal with. Whether it's anxiety, depression, OCD, uh, whether it's drug use or any of those things, you can go to this passage and a few of those maladies that you may have. The first is this. It's the right kind of praise. We see that in verse, this is Philippians 4.4. 4. We say, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, we'll say rejoice. Can you do that all the time? I pulled out of a gas station, I don't know, two years ago, three years ago. It was before COVID. And I made a left-hand turn, and I smacked right into a Mercedes. Oh, my word. I didn't like doing that. I really didn't. But I knew the Lord was in control. And the poor lady, I, I mean, I was just trying to help her because she was, you know, it was my fault. Okay, I took it immediately. It was my fault. I didn't see her. I had this truck in my way. But you know what? I didn't, I didn't worry about it. Lord, I, I praise you for that. Thank you. Thank you. I need to be more careful in my driving. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And I love this one. To all men. That's what they need to see as we truly worshipers of Jesus Christ. 
Do they see that gentle spirit in us? Are you that kind of person? And then he says, the Lord is near. And, and when he says that, that's an encouragement to me. Because uh, I take it two ways. Number one, the Lord is near because he's resident in me. And also the Lord is near eschatologically is that he's coming soon. I mean, Paul had that. He, he kept believing that the Lord is going to return. The Lord is going to return. When I get up in the morning, go out to my backyard, I look to see the clouds. Are there any clouds? Where's the... No, the Lord's not on those clouds. You know, that's what I keep hoping for. Yeah, come on back. Right away. Right away. So that's the right kind of praise. Then we have the, the second is the right kind of prayer. Six and seven. Be anxious for nothing, isn't it? Absolutely Nothing. but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Now, i, I got to stop right there. With thanksgiving, in other words, you just had trouble. You just got fired. Your house is in foreclosure. Whatever it may be. You've got COVID and you, know, you don't have good lungs. Whatever it is, be thankful. Thank you, Lord. You gave this for a reason. I heard from a, a, one of my dear friends this morning, okay, he couldn't be here last week, and he was telling me about it. He had to go to the emergency room. He took too much of, of his medicine, and he had to go there because he was overdosing on this medicine that he takes for his thyroid. And he gets to the, thi to the, to the emergency room, calmed them down from them wanting to take their life or whatever it was. How does that happen, folks? God allowed him to take that medicine for the purpose of being able to speak to somebody else about the Lord Jesus Christ. I've seen that happen more than once. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, thank you, Lord. Let your request be made known to God. That, that's still there. Yes, you need to still speak, and you need to ask. He wants to hear from you. And we're going to get to a passage in a few weeks where it says to ask, to seek, and to knock. He wants you to come to him because you should be doing that. He wants you to do that all the time. And then in, it says in verse 7, and the peace of God, exactly what you're looking for. I, I say in the counseling class that the most wanted thing counseling is they want the peace of God because their life is a mess sometimes. They want the peace of God. And here's the guarantee be thankful for the anxiety that God gave you so that you could get on your knees, so you could recognize that he's in the midst of it, and then the peace of God will come. And then Paul goes on, which surpasses all comprehension and will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is now using a picture of the Praetorian guard, saying that he's going to guard your heart, which is very emotional, and your mind, which is your thinking. He's going to put uh, uh, his men around it to guard it so that it's not affected by this worry, this anxiety. Wow. It's a guarantee, folks. What do I have to worry about? Clothing? Money? Job? No, I have nothing to worry about. There is a need, folks, that we need to confess worry as sin. We need to confess worry as sin. 
there is a need to thank God for his goal in the trials because he has a greater goal than we have for those problems. This is frankly a, a, a time to make a specific request to the Lord. So we have the right kind of praise, the right kind of prayer. Then when verse uh, 8 is the right kind of preoccupation. Oh, thank you. I got my clicker here. Thank you very much. The right kind of preoccupation. Not having done this very often. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. You know the one thing that I'm confident about with any kind of counseling I do? I, I get it from here. I can't get it from Bill. Bill would be far short of what you need for counsel. I get it from the word of God. And this here tells me to think on the right kind of things. Think on those things that are lovely. Think on those things that are right. That's what I want to do. That's what you want to do. We need to be continually reminded, though, this is the way we need to think. Because so often our thinking goes off into right field, left field, or some other field. So think on the true things, the honorable things, the right things, the pure things, the lovely things, the good repute things. That's what you need to be thinking about. Our God is good, and he's always good. Not just sometimes. He's always good. Stop there about the thinking. There's a step that you need to put in there. The step is this. What kind of biblical planning do I have for this situation? Okay, if, I, if, I got, if I got a problem, what kind of biblical planning have I come up with to resolve that or solve that? I mean, James 4 talks about, you know, whatever you, you, you're going to plan something, you need, to, you, you need to do it biblically. A am I planning and, and trying to find solutions to my problems? Yeah, I, I, you, I get people coming in and they don't have enough money to pay their bills. Well, you, you could do what a lot of other people don't get another job. My, my dad always told me, Bill, you can always find a job when you have a job. That's what you need to do, is have the job, you can go find the job. And for my dad, and this is as a, as a kid that came from a very poor beginning, my dad had two and a half, that means he was a little bit absent, for sure. He had two and a half jobs. The third one was driving a hearse for a funeral home, and I said, Dad, you're going to kill yourself. <laughs> I mean, basically. But that's what he had to do to feed all of these uh, Irish Catholic kids. So, right kind of praise, right kind of prayer, right kind of preoccupation, and then right kind of practice. We see that in verse 9. And I love this. Remember where Paul, Paul is speaking to, he's speaking to the Philippians. He was in the Philippian jail. He's with Silas. He gets beaten, and then he complains, right? He brings it to the authority. No, he didn't. He began to sing praises to God. And he's in, his hands are, are in chains, right? And he's got to be bleeding on his back. And the flies have to be landing in there. And the larva is going to be born in there. I've never had that happen to me. But Paul is doing that. And so then he writes this in verse 9. The things you have learned, okay, that they were under his teaching, received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things. Begin to do it. 
I call this my Nike verse. Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. And the God of peace will be with you. Notice how he puts the peace of God will be with you. In this passage, embrace your fear, embrace your anxiety, embrace your worry, and say, you don't have control over me. God and God's word have control over me. That's what has control over you. We fall to such impotent, secondhand things that we do to try to take care of that worry. You see, we need to redirect our faith from self to God. Remember back in the passage of Matthew chapter 6, uh, Jesus doesn't say that they're not believers. He says, oh, you of little faith. That's what he, he, he hones in on that. It's because they haven't taken the faith that they had for salvation and now are not employing, employing it into their uh, sanctification. They're just not doing it. That's what we need to do. To say, I, you know what, I'm a believer. I don't have to worry about this. I'm Lord's. It doesn't matter what's going to happen. So redirect faith. A few years ago, deputy sheriff came to my door. My wife was at home, and he says, where's your husband? Or where's the man that lives here? See? Yeah. I wasn't paying alimony in Ventura County to some woman up there. Folks, I want you to know, I don't know any women in Ventura County to pay alimony to. But that's what came, and, and, and I wasn't worried about it. And I said, where is he? I'll talk to him. But they kept coming and coming. It was like, I don't know, three, four years we kept getting that call. My wife got a little bit uh, upset and said, look, we've done this over and over and over again. Please. He's not the guy. He's not the guy. He doesn't have three kids up there or whatever and... That kind of thing. I don't have time for that. <laughs> what are we worried about, folks? Let me, let me give you some ideas here. If you crave comfort, you will fear pain. If you crave comfort, if you need comfort, you will fear pain. Definitely not like criticism if you need love. And if you fear rejection, you will need approval. You will need approval. If you fear rejection, you will need approval. You will be afraid of criticism, people speaking out against you. Ungodly fear and worry are directed, directly related to what we are thinking that's where Paul ends with that, the things which you have learned and heard and seen in me. Then he goes to the next there, and he talks about God's provisions and, 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 and his continuing provisions. Your thoughts is what's most important. What are you thinking about? I think of Proverbs 4.23. Watch over. Careful, folks. Listen to this. We're focused on the circumstances rather than on God. And if you look at your circumstances without adding God and his truth to the picture, it can only be bleak. It can only look terrible. It's going to look dark. Think about this. Uh, just a few. You can jot these down. We're not going to go look at them. But in Genesis 37, I'm sorry, 32, 7 through 12, 
Jacob fears his brother Esau. He sees him off in the, in the, on the mountain there. And he goes, oh, I stole the birthright from Esau. He's going to kill me. Such a nice guy, he sent his least loved wife first to see what would happen. Just a, you know, real, a real picture of a man there. In Numbers 13, we had 12 people go into, 12 men go into the promised land. 10 came out. Oh, they're big in there. They're Fishel and Caleb. Oh, that's what fear does. Think about Jesus when he's on the, um, uh, the Galilean Sea. And he's on a cushion, sleeping, and the other men are all scared. What's going to happen here? Do you know the worst thing could happen? They'd be tossed into the Galilean Sea. It's not that far to swim. Just kidding. <laughs> Jesus is awakened by them because of their fear. When we're fearful, folks, listen to this. We are really focused on self. We're focused on self. We're not thinking about what God can do. And I'm going to skip a whole bunch of stuff here just so I can get to the last portion. The things that we need to be thinking about, because I want to make sure you get that. Things to be thinking about before anxiety strikes. First of all, is your salvation. Am I truly a child of the king? Am I truly his? Do you know what? I counsel with some people who are frightened of whether they're a Christian or not. That they, they just wonder about it. They get anxious about it. And I once went to John MacArthur about it. And I said, so, what do you do with somebody like that? He said, Bill, more than likely they are the one who is saved because they care about it. And they have gone to the Lord. It's the ones who just keep going to church and don't have any excitement about the Lord. But the first one there is um, things to think about is your salvation. First uh, John, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I'm trying to help someone to think through this issue. And First John, the Son of God, has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. You see, either you believe in that testimony that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and that he is taking your sins, your sins in particular. I have no idea why he would take my sins. But he did. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has this life. He who does not have the son of God does not have the life. Either have the son or you don't have the son. You either are living for him or you're living for yourself. And, and folks, this is pointing them again to kingdom living. That's what we need to be looking at, kingdom living. They know that you have eternal life. It's going to go on forever. It's the guarantee, folks. Eternal life. So that's the first. The next is to confess and repent. Yes, you do have those troubles, those times. <coughs> Some of you don't like driving in Southern California traffic. Are you serious? I mean, it's there all the time. 
But when you get there, what am I going to think about before I get there? How am I going to prepare myself for that? Or I got to move to Twisted Twig, Ohio. I don't know which, but uh, you, you, you just want to make sure you, you confess it, you repent of it, and just say, I have nothing to worry about whether I'm in this traffic. Determine right thoughts. Psalm 119. This is what we Philippians 4, 8. But having the right kind of thoughts, and it's all over Scripture. Psalm 119. Huh, uh, I'm just thought of uh, verse uh, 61, I think it is. It is good that I have been afflicted, that I might search your Scriptures. I mean, this is what we do when we are afflicted, and afflicted with that kind of stuff. But Psalm 119, verse 59 it says this, I sought your favor with all my heart. I sought your favor, Lord, with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. I considered my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. That's the idea is to keep turning back to God and trusting him. Psalm 46.10 says, cease striving and know that I am God. That's what we need to do is keep striving after the Lord. I hear as well, I use this often in speaking with folks who have that issue of fear. Uh, Isaiah 26, 3, it says, The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Ladies going through trusting in God. Jerry Bridges did a fabulous job in that book. Uh, and this is the second time women walking wisely have used it. Why? Because I thought coming out of COVID and all of that kind of stuff, we needed that kind of book. That's why we're doing that. Verse 4, trust in the Lord forever. For in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. He's either your rock or he's not. And if he's not your rock, you're, gonna, you're going to start to sink in the, in the sea of despair like Peter did. And what did Jesus say to him? You of little faith. He was saved. You of little faith. Memorize, sitting at a red light on my way to the office, and all of a sudden I get this panic. And I have no idea what, even the panic was over. And I said, Bill, you teach people about this. You, you preach to people about this. What in the world are you doing? Before the light went from red to green, it was gone. But I had it for a few, minutes, few seconds. I had never had it before. But it was just there. You know what, folks? If I start practicing that, it becomes a habit. That's what happens if you start practicing. It'll become a habit. So memorize scripture. Do a study in the sovereignty of God. And, I, and one of the greatest books on this is A.W. Pink's book, The Sovereignty of God. It's a little bit more hefty than The Attributes of God by A.W. Pink, but it, it gives you a good insight into God's sovereignty. Do a study on the sufficiency of grace. We have a conference coming up in June. Um, up there in Placerie. Let me just give you one scripture, and I know we're going we're gonna to keep that group, the next group, late. Too bad. I'm not worried, because I, I... I'm not worried. I, I know Brad. He and I talked this week. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, because that's what he's going to give me, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Folks, Make sure these verses are penetrating your heart and your mind and your thinking. Increase your fear of God. 
You see, you have more of a, a fear of self and a fear of life than you do of what God can do. And so keep that in mind. And I think of Proverbs chapter 1, it's an excellent thing to look at. Be alert, be ready. Okay, we got to go to the next page. Only, only up to 12. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Can you imagine that? Whatever that fear is, he will take you from that. He's answered you. The next is put off being sinfully fearful. I, I got to continue to put that off. I got to, and, and you're, you're, you're counseling yourself through the whole thing. Why am I thinking this way? If you could hear my brain, I'm saying that often. Why am I thinking this way? Isaiah 12, verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He's become my salvation. Why would I have to fear anything? And I see these men, these pastors, they're going out and they're delivering food to people. They're going to the churches, Chernobyl or wherever they were, uh, um, uh, Mariupol, uh, and I know the pastor from there, Oleg. They're going down there to help them, give them food because they need it. Medical supplies, all those kinds of things. Because there's a great need for that. It's not about their life. Greg told us, I think it was last week. He says, I said, so what is Fushan doing? Because I'm in a conversation with him. He said, yeah, Fushan goes out during the day and she goes from shop to shop to see if she can get food to buy, to bring back to the church so we can give to the church people. Here's this little Korean woman, okay, over there trying to get food for the church, for the body of Christ, to take care of them in the midst of a war. It's just absolutely unthinkable, but that's what it is. And they're grateful for it because it's given them some opportunity to reach out to neighbors. Through all of this, we need to put our trust in God. You need to put your love into Christ. And realize, he has saved you. What has he saved you for? Focus most on God. Uh, we need to see Psalm 18, verses 1 and 2. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my redeemer, my rock. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the thorn of my salvation, my stronghold. The horn of my salvation. These are the kinds of things that we need to be thinking about. Focus on God. Again, that's going back to thinking again. It's always about that. Stay in the present. It's so easy to think, oh, tomorrow I got this to do, and tomorrow I've got that to do. Do you know, I, you, you, you keep a calendar? Don't always keep looking at the calendar ahead of time. Make sure you're ready for it. But if you keep dwelling on it, oh, look at all those things. You know, I sometimes can look at my appointments and go, uh-oh, I got a big day tomorrow, and get all concerned about it, and then not sleep well because I'm concerned about it, and no, I, I need to leave it there. Think about eternal things and the things that God is concerned with. 
is he concerned with? He's concerned with people getting saved. He's concerned with the kingdom of God. That's what he's concerned with. And obviously think profitable thoughts. So dwell on the right kind of things. And we're going to end with this. Is be willing to endure the temptation. Folks, if you have struggled with worry, anxiety, fear, depression, uh, you can throw a whole myriad of other things in there. That temptation is going to come again. That malady doesn't go away overnight. It begins to attack again. You need to be ready for it, and that's why you need to have what we have in these 12. This is not a 12-step program, but you need to have these 12 steps. Okay? I just want you to know we're not, you know, we're not going to have you step up, stand up, and give your testimony here. But there could be, I could add more. I got to tell you, I did have more. And I could have added it to it. But that's the kind of things that you need to be doing. God is there for you. He is not against you. He loves you. If he's son, why would he not? Why would he not be there for you now? And that, that's a, a, an absolute wonderful, wonderful thing. Today, folks, we're doing Grace Church a little different. We have the baptisms that are here, different people for the second hour, so you'll see baptisms again. It's, it's just to give you a picture of what Jesus Christ can do in saving people and bringing them from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Continue to pray for Grace Church. Our pastor, um, that is always necessary. Pray for Carl. He's going to be coming back from uh, Penny Whistle, uh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> when I grew up, we used to call it Penny Whistle. Anyway, let's pray. Father, for three years was stuck in her house, didn't come out of her bedroom, was frightened, was in fear, had anxiety, began to counsel her over the telephone, Lord, and, and you did a magnificent work in her heart. Lord God, there are people that are incarcerated in their heart with fear and anxiety. I pray, Lord God, that you would give them the scriptures that would be most appropriate for their life so that they could live this life to your glory, to your praise, and to your honor. And Lord, for all of us that are here, I pray that you would continue to work in our lives to make us the people of God you want us to be to your glory, to your praise, and to your honor. We pray this in your name. Amen.